okay everything's good winter winter has ended here <clears throat> so it's a beautiful time of year nice what are the questions this morning yeah let me just get the recording started and then we can Go ahead and take the questions. Okay, um, Krishna Das, you wanna go ahead and ask your question? Dhanavats, good morning, Guru Maharaj. Um, so my question is regarding, like, I guess, clarification on understanding Grihasta Ashram and eligibility for making advancement. So I've heard from Srila Prabhupada and Padmanabha Maharaj, I think, also echoed this point in one of his recent talks about how making advancement and attaining the goal of bhakti isn't necessarily dependent on having to change one's uh, ashram from grihastha to renunciate, um, that, you know, it's really open to anybody in any, you know, position in, uh, in any of the ashrams. But uh, sometimes I've heard in the Shastra, it seems like it makes kind of a different point. And in particular, uh, I remember in uh, your book, uh, Sri Guru Parampara, there's um, a sentence that mentions uh, Radha Krishna Goswami's 17th century Sadhana Deepika cites renunciation of household life as a prerequisite for entering the mysteries of Manjari Bhav. So I was wondering if you could kind of clarify that and harmonize the the points that I was bringing up? Well, I think that uh, it's clear that <clears throat> there is a, uh, a marked distinction between the Bhakti Marg and the Gyan Marg, Yoga Marg, in that Gyan um, <clears throat> and Yoga are governed by Satpaguna, which unto itself doesn't have the power to um, afford one entrance into transcendence. When there's some admixture of bhakti, then they're efficacious in the full sense of their aim. <clears throat> so by contrast, bhakti being governed by the nirguna, the transcendental uh, status is more powerful. And as such, the requirement within jnana and yoga as those paths classically um, teach the requirement of brahmacharya or sexual abstinence um, does not apply uh, to bhakti. And one doesn't need to be a celibate in order to practice uh, bhakti um, because of the power of bhakti and to, uh, to unto itself to deliver one from the chains that in one sense uh, bind us to the material world, the attraction between the sexes. That's what makes the world go round, right? And that's the world we don't want to, that we want to get out of. We want to get off the, the, the Ferris wheel, if you will, of uh, uh, merry-go-round. It's not so merry, the unmerry-go-round uh, of samsara. <clears throat> so, therefore, for example, also we have a description in the Bhagavatam of lokas, realms um, that are not uh, transcendent, but are exclusively uh, set up to facilitate the pursuance of transcendence and are attained by, by celibates. Something like in Buddhism, you have the, uh, the, the um, I forget the name, but there, there's, a, there's a place that some Buddhists can, can go to where everyone uh, has a Buddha nature, and from there it's easy to go to nirvana. Mm. So, um, Tapalok, so Siddhalok, and so on and so forth. These are, these are places where the entire <laughs> focus of the realm is spiritual practice. And so celibates are said to um, 
attain such such realms. <clears throat> so there's no getting around the fact that that attraction, and I guess I say, makes the world go round, and therefore overcoming that is you know you're fifty percent of the way there, so to speak. And but then again, the best means to uh, to acquire that is bhakti. Um, so <clears throat> while one doesn't have to be a celibate to practice bhakti, bhakti is the best means by which one can overcome the attraction to um, between the sexes by way of attracting us to Radha and Krishna and, and engaging us in participating in the satisfaction of their senses. So the, 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 uh, the attraction has to be overcome, um, but the best means to do it is bhakti, which doesn't require that, that it's overcome in order to start. Mm -hmm. And statements like the one that you cited from my book, a quotation of um, Radha Krishna Goswami, who was a householder, <laughs> uh, um, are emphasizing, I would say, the um, higher uh, stages of spiritual practice, which requires greater eligibility, like Lila Smaranam, for example, to sit and do Lila Smaranam on the uppercut Lila is something that's uh, it's, uh, to do effectively requires a pure heart. And the means to get a pure heart is bhakti. As, as the heart becomes purified by bhakti, cheto, dharpana, marjum, one gains greater qualification to participate in bhakti and in practices thereby that, um, that um, require greater eligibility. And it's very practical, the greater eligibility. Uh, how should you do your sadhana? How should you count your rounds? Well, like you count your money. How carefully do you count your money? Are you thinking of something else while you're counting your money? No. <laughs> no. So, and we have a very good example there, how to practice, right? But because uh, we, do, we don't chant our rounds, for example, uh, like and count our rounds, if you will, is the analogy, like we count our money. Mm -hmm. um, we don't because our heart is somewhere else. It's in our money. <laughs> yeah, so uh, uh, we don't know that the wealth is, is, is in Goloka. It's been exported from there, the wealth of Lok, through the medium of Namsan Kirtan. But we don't understand that. So we pay more attention to our money because we think that's going to maintain us, that's going to take care of us, that's going to make our life um, all that it, that it could be. Um, so the point being that when other desires are still present in our hearts on arthas, then it's impractical for us to sit and effectively meditate on the highest ideal and through such meditation, enter into it, come out, enter back in, which is what Leila Smarnam is really um, about. Anyone can kind of remember the pastimes of Krishna by reciting them and so forth, but to meditate on them deeply and, and engage in Leela Smart effectively as a practice, well, you know, that, that, that um, as I say, requires greater eligibility. So I think Swami is emphasizing that one has to have transcended, and this is his particular focus, and Bhaktivinoda has a similar um, emphasis. Others have a there's a tendency to have a, uh, an, an emphasis on this practice um, in earlier stages. Mm -hmm. And some are advocating this practice is really meant for persons who are in higher, have attained higher stages, like Ruchi, 
asakti, which are stages of sadhana bhakti, hmm? um, when they can effectively engage in uh, uh, such little smart and bhakti. Vinod Thakur gives a very practical idea. He says, well, without taste, that you won't be able to endure, you, you won't be able to consistently um, and effectively participate in that because you have a taste for something else, so you'll be drawn to that. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that he's emphasizing the necessity for greater adhikar and by way of saying that if you've gotten this far, that you've transcended the attraction between the, the, the sexes, you, in the context of bhakti, you're arguably in, in a position to be able to effectively participate in such lila smarnam of, of, of Manjari Bhav. And of course, Manjari Bhav deals with the romanticism, the eroticism, transcendental eroticism of Radha and Krishna, which shouldn't be conflated with the you know, mundane eroticism. So I think given the emphasis on the transcendental erotic, um, he's contrasting that with the mundane erotic and, and, um, and so on. So it doesn't mean that one has to give up one's wife and, 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 and husband and so forth, but the attraction that, that, uh, that um, binds them mm -hmm, um, needs to be uh, transcended. Does that help? Uh, yes, that is uh, very helpful. Thank you, Guru Maharaj. Okay, are you getting married soon, or what? What's uh, no, just, oh, yeah. just wouldn't understand it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> okay. he's available. <laughs> um, Sajan, you were not. Get him before Krishna grabs him. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> Maharaj. Can't hear you, Sajan. We see oh. your mouth moving. Okay. Uh, um, I can hear him. I can't. Do you have, did you click on the English when you? I did. Can you hear me now, oh. Maharaj? Yes. Good morning. Oh, good, good. Dandavats, Maharaj. So, um, just as previously, some ago, I was uh, uh, reading with very great interest the Nityananda Charitamrita, and I asked you your particular impressions on that at that time. Uh, currently, I'm approaching the conclusion of um, studying with very great interest the Sri Chaitanya Charita of uh, Sri Murari Gupta uh, mm -hmm. Mahashaya. And um, I think I even saw a copy of it on your bookshelf, like uh, in your room there. Uh, did you? Have yes, yes. And it's it's just it's it's very very illuminating and uh, in and educational as well. And I was wondering if you had any particular impressions about that book. Well, yeah, I, I mean it's the it's the original uh, uh, biographical whatever um, text on Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It was written during the during the while Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was still in the world. So all of the other similar works, Chaitanya Bhagavad, Chaitanya Chandraya Nautaka, uh, uh, Chaitanya Charitamrita, they're all afterthoughts, right? And by authors who um, had very little, like Kavikarnapur as, as an infant, as a child, uh, or none, uh, no, no uh, like... Krishna's Kaviraj, Vrindavanastaka, association directly with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. They're, they're just coming just after his, his passing. Vrindavanastaka, I believe, was the last disciple of Nityananda Prabhu, the direct disciple, but he never met Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, neither Krishna's Kaviraj. So, uh, and there are many other less uh, well known texts um, well, that are in biographical notes on Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's. Life or books about Gorlila, however you want to think about that, but this is unique about um, uh, uh, Murari Gupta's work. Number one, he was a close associate personally of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu mm -hmm. as an adult and an elder, mm -hmm. also although a schoolmate, uh, classmate, but older. Um, so 
none of the other biographers have that. Uh, and uh, another point is again, that it was written during the lifetime of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu while he was president of the world. Thirdly, it's written in Sanskrit, whereas the others are all written in, 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 in Bengali. So he was, he was a, a, a scholar, not that others weren't necessarily, but um, it's, the, it's the, uh, the only such text that I know that's written in, in, in Sanskrit. Um, so you want to look at themes or leelas or information about Chaitanya Mahap, details about his life that are found in other texts and maybe check them with, um, with Mari Gupta. You can see where poets, authors may have embellished the, 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 the leela with different details to bring out certain points that they are particularly focused on that they want to bring out in their text. They're looking at Chaitanya Mahaprabhu from a certain angle and want to bring that, like Krishna Skavaraj is looking, how does Rupa Goswami see Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? I want to bring entirely that, that picture out. And so you may adjust uh, details, add or subtract, you know, to, to bring out that, that side and so forth. Whereas, you know, excuse me, Murari Gupta, you could arguably say, well, here's a, here's a first-hand source. Hmm. Now, Krishna Daskavar says he's a second-hand source, and his first-hand source is Bhagavatam Goswami. Sarup Damodar is pretty close. Um, but they are also talking, the emphasis there, of course, is, is, is the later Leelas in Chaitanya Charitamrita. Um, um, where Raghunathas Goswami resided with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as an ascetic and so forth. Um, and Murari Gupta is like, like Vrindavan Das Thakur, but earlier than him, a resident of Navadweep. Navadweep is where we want to go. Hmm? Puri Lila is to help us to enter, enter into the Navadweep Lila. So we can also look at Murari's book in that regard. Hmm? And uh, uh, draw inspiration from from that side is the ideal from a first-hand witness. Hmm. So those are some yes. thoughts. Oh, thank you, thank you, wonderful. You know, I, I, one of the things I love most about it is um, he, uh, Sri Murari Gupta seems to give equal time, so to speak, um, to um, uh, Madhurya Bhav and, and Sak, uh, Sakyarasa and uh, even appreciation of Mahaprabhu being Narayan is, is, is presented in that particular text. Uh, well, that so reminds me of the fact that, um, that uh, Murari Gupta, of course, is, is said by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to come to him from Ramlila, Hanuman. Uh, he, there are deities also of Mari Gupta in Vrindavan being worshipped today. I think they have Mari Gupta written on them, Gornatai deities hmm? that he worshipped. He worshipped Gornatai deities. And those Gornatai deities, uh, I think Nityanandapu was carrying them or Chaitanya bow. And there was, there's some aspect of Ram <laughs> entering in with the gore Nityananda. And those deities are worshipped in Sakirasa. Mm -hmm. The lineage in which their, their worship is carried out, those deities were found and they're worshipped by devotees in Sakirasa to this to this day. Mm -hmm. Their temple, small temple, has been uh, updated and some money has been donated by by the international community over uh, recent, more recent times to uh, um, give more attention to it. But um, yeah, that, you're not going to find a strong emphasis on Manjari Bhav, perhaps from comparatively from Marari Gupta compared to uh, Krishnas Kaviraj um, oh, wow, Goswami. And given his own position there, coming from another Leela, being Hanuman, if you will, Mahaprabhu wrote Ram, Ram Das on his head, I think on his forehead, 
<laughs> the glorification of 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 Gupta and Chaitanya Charitamrita um, um, by the on the from the mouth of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu through the pen of Krishna Skabirash. Extremely, it's very touching. You might want to look look into that. It's very, very uh, uh, how he's introducing Marari to other devotees in Jagannath Puri and what he's what he says about him, how he feels about him, and so forth. So yeah, there is some emphasis on the on the breadth, if you will, of Chaitanya Lila, all encompassing, from whatever position you is you you might want to at attain in the Paravyom, you do well <laughs> go there through Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. <laughs> He's swine Bhagwan, right? Hmm. Yes. Beautiful. Very beautiful. Yes. Thank Are you so you much, Maharaj. Okay, um, Ganga Shakti. Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj, Dandavat Pranam. You have a powerful name, Ganga Shakti. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. My question is following. Uh, we often listen that um, about the importance of thinking of Krishna at the time of death. However, in some cases, death can come very suddenly in a split second. Uh, leaving not much time to think about anything at all. I mean, it happened recently to someone close to me. And that got me thinking, uh, if that would be a devotee, what would happen to the soul? What would be the perspective of such a soul that kind of didn't have time for thinking at the time of death? Sorry okay. if it's a bit of a silly question. <laughs> no, it's fine. Yeah, it's a good question. I think that um, there is an emphasis of thinking of uh, Krishna at the time of death. And I think that typically at the time of death, which for many people is something that <clears throat> approaches gradually, <clears throat> excuse me, um, there's a lot of impetus to um, focus um, in, 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 to a greater extent on their ideal and so on and so forth as other opportunities in life have have, uh, have retired and are no longer um, prospects and so forth. And so there is an emphasis on the end of life kind of status, but, um, and, uh, but uh, really, you know, what we think about at the end of our life is gonna be largely dependent upon what we think about throughout our life. So there's a, there's a accumulated, if you will, a state of, of consciousness a net accumulation of consciousness at the time of death that determines our future, right? <clears throat> what we'll be thinking about at the time of death, Gita says, that will determine our next life. Yam yam yapi smaram bhavam tezate andiko libram. So, um, regardless of the the immediate thought process, if you will. I think uh, more so what the texts are speaking about is a net state of consciousness and awareness that determines our future. <clears throat> um, by contrast, I think you could say that someone could think of Krishna at the time of death um, and not get as good of a result as somebody who died suddenly, as in the case of your friend, but had an accumulated net consciousness, Krishna consciousness that, that, was, that was greater. To give you an example, I mean, there are stories of how even thinking indirectly about Krishna at the time of death, as in the case of Ajamil through Nam of Narayan, he got an extraordinary result. Those emphases are there um, to emphasize to us the virtues, the power, the importance of, of Nam really in, 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 in that case. But um, regardless, as I say, what really the teaching is, is not the particular thought. Uh, you, you live a sinful life your whole life in the last minute and you, you think, of, think of Krishna because Somebody says, there's the Hare Krishnas. Uh, you know, does that mean you're going to go to Goloka Vrindavan? No. 
what is the net consciousness that you've you know attained, if you will? What is the state of your um, of your Krishna consciousness, really, which is an accumulation? So, uh, because someone dies suddenly like that, it, it doesn't mean all all the, the thoughts that they put in previously over their life and the practice and so forth will be in vain. Does that help? Yes, very much. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you for the question. Okay, there is a question in the chat. Um, okay. uh, um, I once read that the Greeks worshipped Krishna in the form of Hercules. It was written that the Greeks visited ancient India, saw the worship of Krishna, went back to their countries and gave a story similar to Krishna's story. What's your opinion on this? Yes, that's a, that's a factual, historical, if you will, uh, um, event. Um, there, I think it was a, like an, what, what we might call today an ambassador from Greece that um, uh, went to India and was um, awed and attracted to um, and even converted to the worship of Vasudev. Vasudev and Sankarshan. Vasudev, Vasudev and Sankarshan. Uh, Krishna and Balaram. These are the Vasudev uh, Sankarshan. These are the uh, expansions of Vrindavan, uh, Krishna and Ram for their Mathura and Dwarka Leelas. Through the Mathura and particularly the Dwarka Leelas, they become more famous. They become more widely known, more widely renowned because they are engaging in Leelas, if you will, that um, are more attuned to the status of the world hmm? rather than uh, leelas that are focused exclusively as the Vrindavan leelas are on you know, attaining the Braj, Braj Bhava and so forth, expo, exhibiting, showcasing the Braj Bhava. When Krishna goes to Mathura and Dwarka, well, he's, he's establishing Dharma, he's getting rid of Putin, you know, and uh, um, putting somebody else in charge and so on. So these things get more worldly uh, uh, attention, attention and appreciation. So there were coins at the time with, with Vasudeva on one side and Sankarshan on the other. Those coins have been found. And, um, and there is in, in, in Delhi, a, what's it called? I forget the name of it. Um, but there is a, a pillar, a stone, a pillar dedicated to Vasudeva with an inscription on it. Hmm? from the Greek ambassador advocating, glorifying the worship of Vasudev. Um, now, Hercules is the Greek god, and I'm not sure exactly what his position is within Greek mythology, but I think he might've been the, you know, the supreme god. He's like holding up the whole world, right? So there may be some parallel, right? Uh, that the Greeks drew between their Hercules and Vasudev, but of course, if you look at it, there's no, there's, there's, there's every reason to appreciate how the Greek ambassador could have been converted because while you have the, the underlying philosophical or theological foundations for the god Hercules are con lacking considerably, to say the least, in comparison to the philosophical and theological underpinnings supporting the idea of Vasudev and Sankarshan, Krishna and Ram um, as, as, as the Godhead. So he had a figure um, whose life was being celebrated. Uh, and in this case, not particularly amongst the cowherds who are like marginalized people on the fringe of, the, of what's happening. They're not in the big apple, you know. Um, <laughs> That's a phrase for New York here in the United States. They're in the coward village. Again, what's, what's prominent 
from a worldly point of view, as Krishna's Mathura and, and Dwarka Leelas and so forth with their opulence and Aishvarya and so forth. So those are uh, being uh, celebrated, honored, and uh, there's wise people and an abundant of abundance of texts also all in giving support to the idea. And so, yeah, he was converted and he went back to, to Greek and he, Greece and, and he um, obviously shared his insights to what extent that um, caused any further conversions, I'm, I'm not sure, but that Heliodorus, it's called Heliodorus. Uh, and I think that might've been the name of the ambassador, um, Heliodorus uh, Pillar. Uh, for lack of a better name, with the inscription on it. It's there, it's very famous. So yes, there. so there is a historical Krishna, Raman Krishna. Mm -hmm. Now my point, of course, is that, that uh, for sadhakas, a point I raise at times, and I'll re-emphasize it here, for sadhakas um, in the early stages of their sadhana, they seek without realizing they're doing it objective evidence and to prove hmm, the, the the existence of Krishna and his leelas, you know, um, which is um, problematic in the long run. Um, because what we find in terms of what the aprakat, the prakat, the manifest leela is, really is the descriptions of Krishna, the historical Krishna through the meditative mind of Vyas hmm, that comes out in the form of Srimad Bhagavatam. Hmm. So, you know, whatever the historical Krishna was doing, Prabhupada, for example, at times has, has said that Krishna, not everybody understood that he was God. Well, obviously. Hmm. If they did, if, if 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 Duryodhan did, he wouldn't act the way he, way he the way he did. Hmm? So Premanjana with the eyes of love, you can see him. That that's true now, and that's true then as well. You could be in the physical, if you will, presence of Krishna, but not recognize him for who he is because he's not seen with physical eyes and he's not perceived with physical senses. But there must be that must be a transformation of heart hmm, and consciousness. Hmm? Uh, uh, with the senses, material senses, they're not suitable for perceiving Krishna, for understanding. You might see something. Hmm? So there may be historical descriptions of, of the Krishna, which was seen, how he was seen by the naked eye, if you will, which itself was extraordinary. Um, but, the, but how he's seen then through the meditation of Vyasa on the implications of his appearance and how he poetically then uh, explains that in order to emphasize and walk, as I often say, the type rope between Madhurya and Aishvarya. He's Aishvarya, he's God, but he's acting like an ordinary human. He's weaving that you know, together in the Bhagavad, particularly in the, in the narrative of the 10th canto, very artful. This is the Prakat Leela. It's in the mind of meditative mind of Vyas, that the language it's written in is called Samadhi Bhasha. Hmm? Sanskrit is only the external vehicle, but it's his Samadhi has been, been he's tried to put it into the, into the Sanskrit language and write about Krishna. So that's where we, we draw the Aprakat Leela from. Hmm? Um, if we are dependent upon historical facts and so forth, we might find the historical Krishna but we might, might not find him lifting over down hill with his little, little finger of his left, left hand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's being said there about him mm -hmm. is extraordinary, mm -hmm. especially in the main point being the fact that his friends are helping him mm -hmm. yeah, in, in that effort. What's being said there? What's the theological implications? That's what's important. Um, the fact that everybody didn't see it or whatever, you know, that, that's, 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 that's not important. What Vyasa is seeing. So, but there are historical, yeah, evidences. And some devotees really need these objective historical facts that Krishna was there. Um, 
learn to feel secure in their practice, hopefully they'll transcend that 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 necessity because Krishna himself transcends history. So I hope that helps. Okay. Sajan, you have a follow-up question you have wanted to ask? It's it's not a question. It's just a very brief sharing. Um, Maharaj, I've, sh um, I've mentioned to a number of friends over the last few years that some, apparently there's a, some evidence, some research uh, was done in the 1960s by scientific, uh, scientists, uh, oceanographers uh, G uh, in, in India, and they went down uh, in the water off the coast of Gujarat, and they apparently found some remains from the original Krishna's uh, palace, uh, from the original Dwarka that was uh, flooded uh, by the ocean. From and apparently, there's some uh, some evidence uh, of that of that nature there. I just wanted to mention. Yeah. Yeah, there are things like that about the bridge of Sri Lanka and so on and so forth. And so, like I say, yeah, there was there historic. He had a Celestia, refer to it as such, uh, uh, capital in Dwarka. It was there and so on and so forth. But um, Vyas is not um, um, adding something to the story, but drawing something to the story that only can be seen with eyes. Of love, and 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 it is he's bringing out the philosophical, theological implications, which is what is important to us. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm just running out of batteries. Yes. Okay. Yeah, All right. Are there any other questions? Yeah, we have thank a few. You, uh, we do have a few more questions. Um, your bandwidth is low. I don't know if there's anything you can do about that. I'm okay. You you're okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, a battery, just... but I'm fine. Okay. Because we're seeing you. Yeah, you're starting to have some problems a little bit. Okay. Um, Omkar. Nandavat Kurmaraj. How are you this morning? Can you hear me? Um, I don't think he can hear you. Do you, do you have your English? Do you, did you click on English? Do I, Pranam Maharaj Kumaraj. Okay. Okay, okay I, I can guess, hear you now. Yes, okay, very good. Uh, I guess to segue to that last Bhakti Vilochana comment, um, I guess what I'm wondering is um, in my worship of uh, Sri Murti of, of Giraj, if one might kind of see only when his eyes are anointed with the devotion how how he's inconceivably simul simultaneously krishna and haridas varja how that how that comes together would it be similarly as we worship mahaprabhu or how would one see that Do you understand what you're speaking about is the idea that giriraj is krishna and he's also the friend of krishna or haridas varja yeah. the best yeah. servant of krishna which maybe uh from uh, Radha in the in the twenty first chapter of the of the uh, Bhagavatam Venu Gita, um, uh, and I I think I mentioned that the last time we we spoke about this that uh, Ramanathas Goswami and Jiva Goswami played out the idea of our Haridas body by way of saying that Govardhan serves Krishna in all these different ways mm -hmm. by providing all the 64 items of worship, the mountainous uh, Govardhan uh, for Krishna, Ram, and uh, their, their friends and so forth. Um, another way, and also to look at Haridas Varya um, in Rupa Goswami's uh, uh, Don Kaley Leela narrative there, he <clears throat> explains uh, uh, he sees uh, through the eyes, via his pen, through the eyes of Brindadevi, the uh, Govardhan Hill, as better than Anantasesh, who has many heads 
and holds Vishnu in his lap because Govardhan has many peaks because he's long and horizontal with many peaks. And not only does he uh, hold Krishna, who's better than Narayan, which was told by the uh, Gargamuni at the time of his birth, if you look at it from the Brajabhasi's translation of his statement, if you will, better than Narayan. Um, uh, and, and Govardhan uh, not only holds him in his lap, like an sage holds Vishnu, but serves as an entire playground for him. So effectively, Rupa Goswami is seeing um, Govardhan as better than a better a better form of Nantasesh, which would be Balaram himself, who is Vishnu and who is arguably the best servant of Vishnu, of, uh, who is Krishna and is a servant of Krishna. Krishna is Bhagavan who served. Balaram is Bhagavan who serves. He's, uh, so there are different ways to look at the, that idea, Haridas Bharya. Um, but we should worship Govardhan at any rate, the way in which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu instructed Raghunath Das to worship Govardhan. Worship him as Krishna. Um, and he gives some instructions there. We may modify slightly the details of the instruction, but the spirit of it is to worship him as Krishna and Raghunath Das did and saw him as not different from Vrindananda. That said, Raghunath Das has also written some nice prayers glorifying Haridas from the perspective of his being uh, also a servant of, of Krishna and Balaram. So, you know, there, there, there are two sides. One can think about it philosophically, theologically, quote, cite prayers to either affect to either, on either side at, at any time and so on and so forth. Uh, I wouldn't get confused about it. Um, uh, it's, it's pretty, it's practical. Uh, to see how Govardhan is such a great servant of Krishna. How is Govardhan Krishna? Well, that's a philosophical perspective because we, we understand that Krishna and Krishna's form are one and different. What's the word? Tadatmika? Tadatmika, we are one and different. Krishna in his form. His form is his Swarup Shakti, a manifestation of, 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 the, of the Sandini Shakti, an aspect of the Swarup Shakti, and he's one with his form. And in Bhaktivedanta Richard Sindhu, Jiva Goswami also says, and Jiva Goswami comments, um, the Jiva in the same way that Krishna is one with his form. Jiva in the same way as one with a spiritual form, rather than identification with the form, one with the form. It's an interesting point. But at any rate, um, that's a philosophical perspective, right? The Dham, of which Govardhan is part, the abode, is a manifestation of Krishna's Sandini Shakti, which is an aspect of his Sarup Shakti. He's one and different from his Shakti. So there's a oneness between the abode of Krishna and Krishna, right? He's non-different from his abode. He's non-different from his form. He's non-different from his devotees. Now, that said, well, we don't worship devotees as Krishna and also as, as devotees of Krishna. That's true, but we do worship them. But in the case of Govardhan, of course, there's a special incident in the Leela where Krishna assumes the form of Govardhan and speaks to the Brajbasis and says, Anior, Anior. And they've already offered stacks and stacks of chapatis and rice and so forth to, to appease him, satisfy him. And he's asking, give me more, give me more. Hmm? Quite an appetite, that fellow. So uh, that is something that he hasn't done, if you will, with the rest of the Dom shown practically 
himself to be non-different, although that's the philosophical uh, fact, the truth of, of the matter. So because of that special event in the context of the Leela, we, we, we worship him as, 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 as Krishna. Perhaps, you know, we can say that a more developed idea of his being the servant of Krishna plays out more readily um, later stages as it does for everybody in the Leela. Everybody in the Leela more thinks of Govardhan as a servant of Krishna than they think of it as him as Krishna, although they've seen that and that's also there. So for us in the beginning, we should emphasize Govardhan as Krishna. Hmm. Later, Govardhan as a servant of Krishna may become to take precedence. That's the way I would think about that. Does that help? Yeah, Guru Maharaj, thank you. That's nice. Yeah, that clarifies the, the point. Thank you for those points. Okay, we have three questions from <laughs> We have three questions from the Brighton Sangha. Okay. Um, okay. So first, uh, Vishnu. Vishnu. Let me uh, take this off so they can get on the screen. So this is, uh, Vishnu Prabhu has asked me to ask a question. Uh, so it was that, um, before he We're having a hard time hearing you, Mohini. Can you turn up the sound at, at all? Uh, I don't know. Uh, no, I can I just try you. to speak louder? Yeah, can you? Yeah. Can, can, um, can, just so Vishnu, okay, so he's asking uh, uh, who was Gadadhar Pandit's guru before he met Pundarik Vidyaniti? Is that correct? That's the question yeah. from Vishnu Prabhu. He didn't have a guru yet. Because when um, when Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu talks with Gadara Bhanad, he says, there is this spiritual guide you've always been looking for coming. And in Gadara, but before that, Gadara Bhanad said, the mantra doesn't sit very well in my head, which would suggest that he had been received this mantra before from somewhere. I Well, uh, are, you, are, you, are you referring to the um, Madhya Leela in, in, in Jagannath Puri? When, um, when he first gets taken to, to meet uh, his guru, he uh -huh. first comes to... Uh, but at that time he was saying, um, the mantra doesn't sit very well in my head. And Sri Tadani Mahaprabhu says, don't worry. The spiritual guide will come and give you initiation. So what that suggests are, that he'd been given before. Well, yeah, okay. What book are you referring to? Chaitanya Bhagavad. Chaitanya Bhagavad. So before he met Pundarik. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I uh, don't remember that, uh, but I trust your 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 reference to it. It does seem to imply that. What mantra he's talking about, it's hard to say. Um, there's no record that I'm aware of of him having a previous guru within Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Um, That's what I thought, Maharaj, maybe just a family guru. Hmm? Maybe just a family guru, I was yeah. thinking. Kula guru could have been the Brahma Gayatri, which is given to every, you know, every Brahmin boy. Um, um, uh, and so forth. Now, what what mantras he received from Pundarik Vidyaniti? That you know, that's a, that's another thing, probably all altogether. So that's the way I that I would look at that. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you for your question. Okay. Um, Radha Devi from the Brighton Group. Hare Krishna. Um, the question I'd like to ask is that um, it's a personal question. 
Um, I have great faith and trust in Krishna. I love the association. Um, I'm close to many of the devotees, well, few of them. And um, it is my life and soul. There's nothing else is really as important. But as I've got older, I find it far harder to focus and far harder to chant and far harder to, um, to be as active as I would like to be. So I'd like to ask um, His Holiness Chavaradi Goswami, what would he suggest? How old are you? Hare Krishna. How old are you? Ask him how old you are. Oh, I'm 84 this year. Oh, well, then you're in a special category. Then. Hmm. But I feel well. young inside. Me too. I feel young inside. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm 11 years younger than you, so I'm just a, just a, a child <laughs> of comparison, practically. But Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, in his own time, refers to devotees over the age of 80 and recommends that there that because of the physical condition obviously and um, whatnot um, mental prowess as well being diminished um, as as they are with age that standards of practice that were previously expected of them are not to be expected of them such as strict observance of a codice, or we have another example, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told Haridas Thakur, you're old now, you don't have to chant a certain number of rounds and so forth. Uh, so there's some um, um, license, if you will, leeway or acknowledgement, a lifetime in service with a, with a body that was suitable for more active, concentrated, whatever, uh, you know, this is for the for the average devotee, um, uh, uh, with a change of body, those same um, um, active nature and focus and so forth it may not be possible, but uh, it's not something to be concerned about. That's understandable. There's there's a space for that, and despite the fact, the emphasis is that you cannot. Um, engage in the ways that you did previously, it will not be to your detriment uh, with, within bhakti in this life. That's basically what we take from scriptures. Now, if someone becomes a, a saint and so forth, and in, in, in older life is completely fixed and focused, that's another thing. But um, um, that would be something for, for the for the guru figure. So I hope at eighty I'll be <laughs> as it, as, it, as now, if not more. So does that help at all? Yes, thank you. And I must say thank you for being here every Sunday with Madame Mahana Mahini. We have a wonderful, wonderful kirtan and prashadam. <laughs> Bright light. She looks up. Bright light and bright. So, one more question from Brigapad. Hari Gon I'm working on a on a on a book on on Vaishnavism, and and one thing that I've done is that I've had, I've looked at at how Vishnu and Vaishnavism is presented in the Vedas in in the epics and the pranas and so on and uh, i just want to check one thing with you because for me it seems that uh, because the different they're quite different these different scriptures and what they say for example about krishna leela if if i compare like mahabharata haribamsa vishnu Purana, and bhagavatam mm -hmm. but one way of of kind of harmonizing them uh, and this is what I want to check with you, uh, would be to think that there's kind of a gradual revelation that uh, uh, the, the earlier texts, they, they reveal something about Krishna uh, and then the, the, uh, this revelation then uh, um, 
kind of finds it, its apex in, in the Bhagavatam. Well, I, I guess the way to... I, I, that might have some... Um, um, uh, I want to say uh, some um, capital in academia, that kind of... Uh, perspective I, I you know overall I think that they they look at the at the, the story of Krishna as being something that's developed over time by at votaries and so forth and and it's embellished and so on and so forth um, so that would probably be uh, fitting in, in that kind of a circle um, but I mean you could also look at it from a more spiritual point of view and I, maybe that's what you're speaking about that that it's an, it's just a, a, the appearance of Krishna is, is, or the avatar, in this case, Krishna, this is um, uh, the, the, the uh, spiritual manifesting in the material world. And it's an event that, you know, comparatively to other material events, has, uh, is fathomless in its, the depth of its implications and so forth. And that can what can be found out about it, which makes for uh, a religious or theological perspective in which there's new facts to be found out all the time. In contrast to how the scientific community often portrays religion as a static uh, perspective on reality, it's like this. It was said like this thousands of years ago. Nothing can change, and so forth. Actually, the fact that we're a scientist open, whatever the facts are, we change. Today we say this, tomorrow we may say that, but we're not flip-flopping. We're just moving with the facts as they, as they show themselves. So in the same way that people investigate the material world and it shows itself, why not the event of Krishna's appearance in the world, if we take it for, to be what we, what, we, what we say it is, the avatar concept, the descent of the absolute uh, from beyond time and space, within time and space, well, how uh, deep can we, you know, how, to what extent can we plumb the depths of the implications of that? And that's, go, that's going on. I mean, we look at Chaitanya Charitama, Chaitanya Bhagwat, or we give it the name, the Chaitanya Bhagwat, which is along the same lines of what we're, we're talking about. Here's the Srimad Bhagavatam. Now, Here's the Chaitanya Bhagavatam. Well, because, because in the Bhagavatam we find what uh, that, that, that Krishna finds himself indebted to the gopis' love and he can't pay them back. There's the big, that's the genesis of Korlila. So there's another, you know, there's, there's the, the book plays itself out, but then we look back and, oh, we have to have, a, have an encore appearance here or an appendix, the Chaitanya Bhagavatam. Hmm. So that, you follow what I'm saying. So I think that that's a good way to, to look at it and, and present it. Just, you know, you could, you could do a parallel between, how you could look at it academically just from a material point of view, or you could look at it from a spiritual point of view, how it's developing and, 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 and new insights um, are being drawn from it, or, you know, going forward. Does that help? Yeah. Yes, thank you. Okay. Well, that's all we have time for, I think. I appreciate yeah. all the questions and I uh, hope to be with you again next week. And uh, just to, to make an announcement that you will be giving class for Nishringadi Chattar Dasi next uh, Saturday, right? Oh, Except no, and that's 14, two weeks. Okay. Then. Great. Okay. Thank you. All right, Krishna. And if everybody could just stay on for quick announcements. Um, Okay, for the top of the eight classes for um, next week, for this next month, we have, um, there's only going to be three days that there will be classes. Um, Bhagavad Gita, Chapter 5, Acting with Detachment, that's um, Ashramara, just giving that on Tuesdays. Shamasundar is giving Gaudi Vaishnavism in numbers on Thursday. Huh? Chamananda, not Shama Sundar. 
Oh, Shamananda, sorry. Thank you, Sakirati. Shamananda is giving class on Gaudi Vaishnavism in numbers. And that's on Thursdays. And then Indra Nuja is giving classes on Fridays, transition on the journey of the devotee. And then Sundays, um, questions and answers. So that's the uh, for May. And then, as I said, on the 14th, yeah, it's two weeks from um, that'll be, um, Guru Maharaj will be giving a special class for on Srinidave's appearance day. And that will be at a the same time as this call, 1130 um, Eastern Stand or Eastern Daylight Savings Time. Um, also, I just want to say that we have um, for the um, Zoom, um, we have, we have a, um, a Zoom account and once a year now we've got it set up where we pay for the account and the account is expensive because of the translation feature. It's about two that we're paying $2,000 a year for it, um, which, which makes it a little cheaper than paying it every month. Um, that payment is coming up. Um, I do have regular donations coming in um, that pay for about half of it. So we need to raise about $1,000 by the end of the month to be able to pay for the next year. So anyone that is in, able or inclined to give a donation, um, I'll put my email address up here. Um, this would be sent to PayPal um, um, in Archinacity at yahoo.com. Um, and anything anyone could give for that would be wonderful and very helpful. Um, so I think that's it for all the announcements. And thank everybody for your participation and your wonderful questions. And we look forward to seeing everyone soon. Hare Krishna.